As part of my efforts to mix up the Vision on Sound format a little, here's another in the essay strand. This week, why television? One of the things I'm occasionally asked is, with an entire world of possibilities to choose to have a radio show based around, why on earth did I choose to theme mine around such an ordinary thing like television? After all, this hypothetical and almost certainly amalgamated, if not entirely fictional and theoretical person goes on to say, it's not as if radio is a visual thing, is it? Television has pictures and radio doesn't. And a whole lunch break full of statements of the blindingly obvious follows that even I can't be bothered going into in any further detail. Because in some ways, if fewer than they actually mentioned, they do have a point. Talking about television in an audio medium is actually quite tricky. And even if you choose to add soundtrack clips and music into the mix, which I rarely choose to for copyright reasons, without the pictures that television brings, often what you're talking about could appear quite meaningless, at least to those not steeped in knowing their public eye from their public enemies and which version of Poldark or Battlestar Galactica or Upstairs Downstairs we're talking about today. After all, talking about things like framing a shot or the visual difference between film and studio video, hard or soft images, the comparative improvement between 425, 525, 625 line television pictures, is definitely more of a show-not-tell discussion, even if we're not quite the kind of engineering special that talks about such things. Because, let's be honest, sometimes fans of anything can come across as being a little bit dry, enthusiastic, and there's nothing wrong with that, but sometimes those enthusiasms can come across as being a little misdirected when those the comments have been directed at don't have quite the same eye for detail as you do. It's a trap I often fall into myself. Sometimes I forget that because you know that you are addressing people who do very much care about such things, the transmission date and the episode placement in which season of a show it was made, are far less important than the fact that it was the one that featured a particular guest star that will simply astonish them. And sometimes they don't even really care about that all that much. For a lot of people, the name of a show that they used to enjoy is precisely enough to send them off on the warm, nostalgic visit to their own past that they need from the conversation without needing to know any of the other stuff. And that's fine, of course, as long as you're prepared to bite your lip when they go on about the big blue Thunderbird or that Tom Good bloke starring in Yes, Prime Minister. But then again, audio, it is often said, is a medium in which the mind creates the pictures and the imagination can flow even if... Annoyingly, it sometimes will flow as far as forgetting Paul Eddington ever existed. It's fine. Honestly, it's fine. I'll text them later. And the beauty of such journeys of the mind is that all of those nostalgic memories of things you've watched, even if you've only watched them yesterday, can lose all of the shortcomings you didn't like about it, and you can let the flaws simply melt away, leaving the warm, glowing nugget of the thing you enjoyed, or didn't, sit there in your memory to be shared with whoever chooses to listen to you going on and on about it. Because that's the thing about enjoying something. It really doesn't or shouldn't matter whether anybody else, or even everybody else, doesn't enjoy it anything like as much as you did. It's your pleasure, perhaps even a guilty pleasure. And just because the rest of the world thinks that it's a peculiar, shallow or downright worthless pleasure should not diminish your personal enjoyment of it. Sadly, as the world gets ever more immediately judgmental and more and more of a struggle to fit in as we live alongside people sharing increasingly polarised and disparate points of view, sometimes it's becoming difficult for many to cling on to that. However, that's possibly to miss several key points and to hopscotch carelessly to a place several rocks and possibly quite a few streams down the line from where we were. After all, the simple question of why television remains, and it's not as simple as you might think, despite being thought of as the idiot box by at least one generation, only for other generations to try their best to prove the point. 
I suppose the simple answer is because that's what I suggested and that's what was wanted. And maybe that is to oversimplify. After all, I could have suggested all manner of things to hang a concept for a radio programme on. And some of them might actually have been far more successful, far more mainstream and far better at reaching into the hearts and minds of a listening audience and tickling their entertainment centres in a much more fundamental way. But for me, it was always television that was the one thing that I could claim to have any real interest in and even a rudimentary but suitably broad knowledge of. I'm one of those people who, if I ever had the confidence to try out for Mastermind would probably have picked something telly-related as my specialist subject, even if it would risk the mocking derision of other TV fans watching from the comfort of their own far less imposing armchairs. Because once you open yourself up to the world as having such an interest, that world itself can be very quick to remind you that in the great big enormous history of television, for one individual, no matter how much they thought they knew, it can swiftly become apparent that there's far more of it than they could possibly have imagined. Join in with any chat, listen to any podcast, and you can become aware of just how many obscure, long-lost television series there were that you've never even heard of. And you may almost be able to hear the eyeballs rolling as you feebly try to explain that you weren't even born when that series was made, and, and call yourself a fan because I don't. That's no excuse. Ignorance is no defence. What do you mean you used to like Crown Court? How many series did it last for? And who played the first judge? Amateurs, honestly. We are, of course, all amateurs, really. Even the so-called professionals in this game usually started out as a particular type of enthusiast, and many of them still struggle with imposter syndrome when it comes to standing up and being counted. Eleven series, and earnest hair, by the way, but I had to Google it. But the joy of television as a topic of conversation these days is that it's almost universal, at least in some form. Even if you don't have one now, the chances are that at some point you will have slumped down in front of one at the end of a hard day or switched one on to keep you company when the house was empty or when you were working on something else or simply spent some time in front of one with people you care about. Because people's shared television experiences run very deep. Even those who claim to never watch it have some memories of it. And even though certain dark corners of the internet are constantly trying to convince us that television is a dying medium, it's still a thing people have did-you-see conversations about when they meet up and fans will still wait for brand new shows to appear with eager anticipation and still discuss their favourite shows across several generations as a kind of unifying force when all other avenues and topics fail them. After all, grandmother might be judgmental about what you get up to in your personal life, but you can both have opinions about what that wicked soap villain is doing behind the back of one of your favourites. And I suppose, for me, that's the starting point. You can ask someone what their earliest memories of watching television are, and you'll always get a different reply. For every person who remembers the first television set arriving in their house and waiting for the valves to warm up, there'll be another who grew up with a flat-screen TV in every room and being spoon-fed in their high chair whilst Bargain Hunt was blasting out from the laptop perched on the kitchen countertop. For every I remember where I was when Kennedy was shot, there's another who'll vividly recall being sat on their father's knee as Neil and Buzz first walked on the moon, and another who remembers their mother's weeping as the Twin Towers fell. But sometimes the connections with history run far deeper than that. Like food, memories of television can trigger warmer, happier thoughts, the warm, nostalgic glow of sitting together with now long-lost relatives on dark winter evenings with beans on toast or bird's-eye beef burgers or hot buttered toast, as a northern comedian with a terrible perm told terrible jokes that made someone you've now lost forever roar with laughter. Even a five-second jingle from a long-forgotten advert for a thing you might never have bought can send the mind scurrying back to some shared collective moment where everyone can join in. All together now, do the shake and vac and put the freshness back. Bum 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 bum, so blue, oh, I'm a secret lemonade drinker. Ah, oh, whites, ah, oh, whites. And for some of us, these are merely the trigger points, the gateway, if you will, to other memories. So in many ways, talking about television acts as a prompt, a starting point, and who knows where that conversation may take you. 
I'm sure, of course, that there are other prompts that will transport people in precisely the same way, the name of a brand of biscuit, or a packet of sweets, or perhaps the mention of a particular type of car that they used to own, but I'm not any kind of confectionery or car expert, and those things probably appeal to a different circle of people than the ones I usually move around in. Actually, well, the Venn diagram that includes either of those particular nostalgia prompts very probably does include the likes of me with it, but, but you know what I mean. Ask me about an FA Cup final run, or to recognise a golfer, or who married whom at some royal wedding or other, or which band played at Glastonbury in what year, and you'll find me utterly bemused. Which is odd, I suppose, because all of those things probably appeared on the television too, but just happened to be the sort of television that I don't engage with as much. But that's fine. That's diversity for you. If television still only included the interests of a particularly small group of people, like perhaps it was when first transmitting from Alexander Palace to the drawing rooms of the well-to-do of London society, then very few of us would probably find anything to to talk about. And yet sometimes even those topics that might seem obscure to me might just prompt a conversation simply because once upon a time they all appeared on the television in one form or another. Granted my grumbles might be about them overrunning and postponing one of my personal favourite shows, but it's still a good starting point for a wider discussion about such things. This, by the way, is coming from someone who, as a teenager at the very beginnings of his interest in cricket, got by in a very long discussion about the Ashes by simply saying, but both them, between swigs of cheap white wine. But for me it was always the subject of television itself that interested me and first drew me in. I may have gone out of my way to avoid several royal weddings over the years and delve deeply into several box sets just to avoid engaging with several Olympic games, but the technical skill required to bring such things into people's homes, or the fact that so many people choose to watch them, and why exactly they do that, will always fascinate me and give us something to think about. You could introduce me to half a dozen people sitting around a restaurant table and their names will have vanished from my memory before the basket of red rolls has even landed. But if one of them mentions in passing a particular old television show, the chances are that I'll be reeling off a whole list of connections to other shows and the various careers of bit part players to them before they've even a chance to decide which starter to have. Presumably the one that requires them to concentrate the most upon what they are actually eating so that they can avoid speaking to that damn fool opposite, I imagine. I haven't been invited out all that much in recent years, it's true. Mind you, I've also noticed that I haven't had as much of a tendency to talk about such things myself in recent years because I've become aware that there are so many intimidating people who are so very much better at that sort of thing than I am, I've found, so that my little party tricks can seem ill-informed by comparison, and sometimes it does pay to just listen. And also, as the years have passed, I'm finding that such things are getting far hazier. Perhaps there's simply far too much information out there and none of it sinks in, or more likely it's just that the memory is starting to fade. Television, after all, increases exponentially, and there's an awful lot of television about, as well as a lot of awful television. So I don't imagine any of us will be running out of things to talk about any time soon. Or perhaps I'm just out of practice. We used to live in a far more chatty world. I used to sit in offices and bars, and there would be banter and badinage, and, dare I say it, even point scoring when it came to the knowledge about trivial nonsense that sat in all of our heads. Where... I find myself wondering more and more these days, has that sort of thing gone? Do we all just not bother storing these little nuggets in our minds anymore when it's simple enough to pick up our phones and get a comprehensive answer in the time it takes to type the question and perhaps put one over on that idiot sitting opposite who's still bleating on about some obscure actor called Cyril Shapps? Which is all a bit of a shame, really, as once upon a time I used to think that television trivia was pretty much the only subject that I could actually claim to know anything about. And back then I used to devour every little crumb of knowledge that I could about television, even though, 
And this is also quite weird because in recent years it's becoming increasingly apparent that I've also missed a great deal of the sort of telly which other people watch in their millions. Comedies, game shows, soap operas, reality shows and Saturday evening entertainment shows all seem to have passed me by, as incidentally have some of the great dramas like Line of Duty, Last Tango in Halifax and even stuff considered to be must-see cornerstone drama classics like This Life. I realised recently that apart from his work on a particular science fiction series, I've pretty much never seen anything much of the work of Russell T Davis. So how, in all honesty, can I claim to have any kind of knowledge of something like television, let alone dare to actually present a show dedicated to talking all about it? That is, of course, the beauty of it all, though, isn't it? After all, just because I personally have never seen anything doesn't stop me from sitting down and talking to someone who actually has, and this, of course, is how we learn things and expand our minds and hopefully engage with our listeners, as they hopefully find out a few new things just as I do. After all, I may not have seen an episode of Coronation Street in 30 years, but if I find that I know someone who has, or if they haven't, they can put me in touch with someone who has, then we all learn something, and if those memories end up sending us down a completely different conversational path, then why not? Human beings with something in common, simply talking to each other, sharing knowledge, having fun and learning something about one another's lives and how they live them. Surely that's got to be a good thing in an otherwise dark and dismal existence. They make shows like Gogglebox where the television turns the spotlight onto the viewers and they talk back to the television whilst the television turns those viewers into television characters and whilst the whole fabric of reality starts to fold into itself and the boundaries of where television starts and engaging with it ends gets ever blurrier in a time-shifted, piecemeal, soundbite-obsessed, binge-watching kaleidoscope of content, we sometimes allow ourselves to forget just how much this brilliant and sometimes dreadful thing we call television plays a part in all of our lives, even for those who claim never to watch it. And we haven't even begun to talk about the dark side in which unscrupulous people use television to spread lies and disinformation, or as a way of controlling both the medium and the message in order, ultimately, to try to control the way that thoughts are thought without providing other viewpoints along the way. Mind you, for that to work, you need to overcome the fundamental response of viewers everywhere to switch over, switch off, or simply make assumptions about what they're being shown and not listen to or believe a word of it anyway. If the medium is the message and the medium can no longer be trusted, the messages you choose to hear are mostly down to the individual listening to them. But if that mind is closed to even the possibility of another point of view, another angle, or another version of the truth that contradicts their own, what hope is there? But perhaps we'll save that one for another time. And if I haven't quite managed to answer the question, why television, other than by replying, why not television, well at least it'll give us all something to think about. Good night. Good night.